This is Wordfall, with historical novelist Rosanna M. White, offering our words to the Lord at the crossroads of faith, family, and fiction. Red corn and jack-o'-lanterns. It's autumn in the U.S., which means you cannot walk down the streets without seeing carved pumpkins, autumn-colored mums, corn husks, scarecrows, and hay bales adorning porches, stoops, and store windows. There are going to be bats and cobwebs and skeletons, spiders and ghouls and goblins. And wherever Halloween traditions can be found, you are also going to find those who stridently oppose them. It's always been that way in America, all the way back to the days of the Puritans. But have you ever paused to wonder where some of our late fall traditions come from? And what the Puritans did instead? The Puritans didn't believe in esteeming one day above another. They didn't celebrate Christmas, much less holidays like Halloween that were rooted in paganism. But they were still people, and people still like to get together and have a good time. A staple of New England life in the colonial days was the corn husking bee. If you've ever read The Witch of Blackbird Pond, which I loved, I've read it to my kids several times, you've seen one of these events described. In order to make the work of husking corn light and fun, the neighborhood would gather together and have a bee, a contest, to see who could husk the most. It was especially popular with young people, perhaps because of a uniquely American tradition. At these events, the most sought-after, and perhaps feared by some, item to find was an ear of red corn. If a young man happened to find one while husking, it entitled him to a kiss from whichever young woman he chose. And if a young woman found one, she could give it to the young man of her choice so that he could claim said kiss. This was a tradition that lasted well into the 19th century and was responsible for quite a few courtships and marriages, and broken hearts too. I don't know about you, but I found it so interesting that this was a Puritan tradition when we usually associate Puritans with people who would not go around kissing, basically. Now, in the southern colonies, who were settled largely by people who adhered to the Church of England— Celebrating holidays wasn't only acceptable, it was embraced. And one of the traditions that came to America along with the first colonists in the South was Halloween and the jack-o'-lantern. The story of the jack-o'-lantern dates back centuries to Ireland. Before Christianity arrived in the British Isles, the Druids ruled the day. In their calendar, November 1st actually began the new year. And they believed that the hours between the old year and the new were when the lines between physical and spiritual were most blurred. That this night, October 31st, was when fairies and ghouls and ghosts roamed freely about the world. Some welcomed them and bade them tell the future of the coming year. Some feared them and tried to scare them away. And this became even more true after Christianity gained a following in the islands. The two religions were clashing, and the general populace wasn't sure how to reconcile new knowledge with old. The result is a bit of a blend, because these people knew that spirits prowled on the day that we now call All Hallows' Eve or Halloween, the night before All Hallows' Day or All Saints' Day. But they also knew they couldn't have anything to do with them. So how were they to scare these spirits away? One answer was jack-o'-lanterns. You see, the story goes that there was a man named Stingy Jack who convinced the devil one night to have a drink with him. They hadn't any money to pay for this drink, so Jack convinced the devil, who apparently was not very wily, to turn himself into a coin with which they could pay. The devil obliged. But rather than pay the barkeep, old Jack was tempted by that coin and decided to pocket it instead. 
It landed in his pocket. The side a silver cross he kept there, and the power of the cross kept the devil from changing out of his new form. Jack eventually let him go, but only with a promise that he wouldn't bother him for a year. Well, the next year, Jack again outsmarted the devil, and after convincing him to climb a tree for an apple, he trapped him in that tree with another cross, and wouldn't let him down until the devil promised never to claim his soul. Soon after, Jack died. God wouldn't let such a scoundrel into heaven, of course, but the devil kept his word too and didn't take him into hell. So instead, he sent him out to roam the world with nothing but an ember to guide him, housed in a carved turnip. The people of Ireland wanted to make sure Jack and other roaming spirits did not bother them, so they carved their turnips and beets into scary faces and put an ember inside to frighten away that old Jack of the Lantern. In America, people soon discovered that the native pumpkin was perfect for this centuries-old tradition, and the pumpkin jack-o'-lantern joined harvest festivities. Another scene from The Witch of Blackbird Pond has the elders being horrified when some disrespectful youth dared to put a jack-o'-lantern out. For a while, the tradition faded away, but it actually returned with new popularity when the Irish began immigrating in huge numbers during the 19th century. So whether you put jack-o'-lanterns or corn on your porch, you have to admit this is a time of year filled with beautiful, vibrant colors and traditions rich with harvest. Check out rosannamwhite.com for information about me or my books and to subscribe to my newsletter. This episode of Wordfall is brought to you by the Tea Party Book Club. Books, tea, great conversation, all from the convenience of your own home. To see what this month's book is and to reserve a seat, go to rosannamwhite.com and click the Tea Party Book Club tab or follow the link in the show notes. Wordfall is a proud part of the White Fire Podcast Network. Please visit whitefire.tv slash podcast for other shows I know you'll love.